Praise God. We're, we're excited that everyone's here, and you know I'm thankful for the opportunity to speak. Um, I know Bethany, she could, she could do this just as well. I'm sure a whole lot better than I could. So, um, but I'm glad that Pastor gives me opportunity, and that then she gives me opportunity as well. You know, it's important that when when we do things like this, that you've got support, and it does matter. And Dr. Summerall, he, uh, one of his last sermons that he preached, I did not quit. Basically, in that sermon, he starts talking to them because he's at a Bible institute and he's talking to a lot of young people. And he tells them that when, when you're, basically in this case, your husband is in that pulpit, he didn't belong to you. He belongs to God. And you may not understand everything. And, and he even talks about how even after he's done, it may take him a little while to come back down. But just understand something. He's not your husband at that point. He's belonging to God and, and vice versa. Because at that point, you're, you're working for God. You're doing God's business. And sometimes um, in, in couple situations where couples, the, the, the sermon's over and they want to go eat, and sometimes there may be a conversation. You think that... There would never be a time for an argument. But there's times I've seen from, from people that maybe they start to get in a disagreement because the minister at the time, whether it be the lady or the man, they're starting to come down off God's anointing and, and the other person is trying to talk about natural things and it didn't flow too well sometimes. And so sometimes people got to realize that uh, you've got to work together and understand when it's time for one to preach, the other one's supportive. When it's one time for one to minister, the other one needs to be supportive. And it's very important in that. And so I appreciate that from her. Appreciate our pastors. You know, Pastor Randy gave me the opportunity to speak. Obviously, um, uh, he's down in Texas and Pastor Misty. And I pray that they're getting all that they need to have. But, you know, God's got a lot for us all. And uh, tonight, basically, I feel like what God's given me on my heart, I sort of continue on what pastor's been talking about to a degree, but we're going to talk about uh, the coming of Jesus. That's something that just doesn't get preached a whole lot. Uh, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, early 90s for sure, you would hear, you know, he's coming soon. About every sermon, the preacher would always say, he's coming soon, are you ready? Are you ready? And how often do we hear that any today? And I'm talking about from the whole body of Christ. And Dr. Summerall, you know, he talked about how uh, many people, many Christians, and I'm not going to quote it word for word, but I'll just tell you kind of exactly what he was talking about. And, of course, he's been with the Lord now for, for a few years. He, he said, you know, people, that will, and he was talking to Jesus about this, and Jesus kind of talking to Dr. Summerall about it. He said, you know, people, that will, they'll mention my coming and kind of talk about my coming, but they live like I'm, going to, uh, but they live like I'm never coming at all. Isn't that interesting? In a conversation that he was having with Jesus, Jesus told Dr. Summer that basically the way people live, they live as if I'm never coming at all. But I'm letting you know tonight, he's coming. He's coming. We're closer to his coming than we've ever been before. And you know, in the early church, when the first church, when the, when the church first got started, guess what they were already talking about? His second coming. Guess what? In the book of Acts, when he was appearing to them, he, they, they said, is this going to be when you, when you come back? They were already talking to him before he even got seated at the right hand of the Father. They were saying, is this going to be it? And how much less do we talk about today? They were excited about things. But I'm telling you, he's coming. And three things I kind of want you to uh, think about as I go into this, and I'm going to hit all three of these points at one point or another, but I want to go ahead and give them to you because I may not necessarily just stop and explain, okay, it's time for this point, but I want you to know over the course of this, uh, number one, no one's going to know the hour or the day, but we do know the season. We do know the season. And sometimes we overlook that. Sometimes we get told, well, we don't know the hour, we don't know the day, so we just push aside. So since we don't know, let's just go live our life flippantly the way we want to live it now. Because we don't really know, so why would we have any expectation? No, he doesn't told us what the season's going to be like. He done told us what the times are going to be like. So we know what the season's going to be. We just don't know the exact hour or day. And it's soon. It's very soon. Dr. Hatterball goes into it a whole lot more details than I will tonight, but he puts that there uh, pretty plainly that it's a, it, it's, it's a lot closer than what many of us think, and it could be within the next few years. 
for sure. And I wouldn't doubt it a bit. See, back then in the 80s and 90s, me growing up, me being younger, it just didn't seem like that that could be possible. You know, like, I know we we're always talking about it, but, but, but since Jesus was put on this planet, we've got about 2,000 years almost that, since then. And they were saying it back then. And, you know, so you kind of have a, a, a bad take on, is he really coming right now, or is it still going to be another 2,000 years? Because that's the way we were talking back in the 80s and 90s. And guess what? 1980 means 1980. That's how long he's been gone. So is it still going to be another couple of years, or is it going to be a couple thousand years? And so sometimes people start doing the math, and here's the problem. We start thinking about it too much in a natural sense. we got to see it from a spiritual sense. He's coming soon. We don't know the hour. We don't know the day. But guess what? All you got to do is look at the times going on around us, and we can tell it's soon because he told us what the times were going to be right. He told us we can recognize what the season's going to be like. Number two, he's coming quickly. This is not Hollywood. This is not a three-hour-long movie. He's coming as a thief in the night, and he's coming quickly. Hallelujah. In a twinkling of an eye, there's going to be things that change just like that. Hallelujah. Number three, we're to be ready. We're to watch, we're to pray, we're to take heed to ourselves, but we're to be ready. And Pastor, he's talked about it here recently about the ten virgins. Five were ready, five weren't. We can get a little bit deeper in those things, but it's that simple. We're either ready or we're not. And, we, and it seems like there's a lot of people that have an expectation. Yes, someday he's coming, but some are going to be ready for his actual coming. Some are not going to be ready. Some acknowledge, yeah, he's coming back. Yeah, we kind of believe that there's going to be a second coming, but they're not prepared at all. we got to be prepared because there's a second coming, and people are going to be busy, and people are going to miss it. And people are not going to be ready because they haven't watched. Isn't it interesting in the garden when Jesus was about to be betrayed, the hours coming, and you, what, you can't stay, you can't pray, you can't just pray for an hour. You're not ready. And guess what? He's coming, and he's asking the same questions. Can you not pray? Can you not tarry? Can you not wait for me? Hallelujah. And so let's first turn into our Bibles to Matthew chapter 24. That's the three main things I'm going to cover. But I'm going to hit several scriptures. I'm not going to get too hung up on a few of these I'm going to mention. But I'm going to stick around Matthew chapter 24 for the most part. And then we'll hit 2 Timothy 3 for a little bit more towards the end. But I'll, I'll mention some others. I'll read some others. So you may need to, uh, if you want to write them down, that's perfectly fine for sure. But I'm giving you the heads up that I, I may not just sit there and just wait to turn there and so forth because there's things that need to be brought out and those others are just little things that kind of help out what we're saying tonight. So I want to make sure I do what God tells me that it needs to be done. So Matthew 24, we're actually going to go ahead and start in verse 36 on this one. I know it's go ahead and start it before that, but I want to get this established. Matthew 24, 4, verse 36. But of that day and hour, no one knows. It's settled. No one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. There's one person that knows, it's God. He knows exactly when it's going to come. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. And you know what? He, he never really said that you should never talk to me about this. We can talk to God. We can talk to the Father about when the second coming is going to happen. He ain't going to tell us at the time or the hour, but he can let us in on some things. God, is this the age, uh, the, the end of the ages that we read about? Is, is this what we're really seeing, or is there more to come? And so we can talk to him about some things. Again, uh, no one's going to know the hour of the day. But at the same time, we go into verse 37, notice this. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they, will, uh, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark. Listen, his day's being prepared. Noah prepared the ark. How long? Century plus? His coming's been being prepared for a long time. And there's going to be a coming a day that just like in Noah's day, that people aren't ready, even though it's been prepared for centuries. He's been preparing his second coming for centuries, and people are still not going to be ready. What are they going to be doing? Eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage. In other words, what's this mean? They're going on with everyday life. They're busy. 
They're not looking at his second coming. They're not, they're not looking for the flood to come. I know you've told us time and time again the flood's coming. I know you sit here and you built this big old ark, this big old boat, and I know you've warned us. I know you've preached to us, but I'm busy. I've got things I've got to do. I've got other affairs I've got to be a part of. If you don't believe me, let's read on. Verse 39, And did not know until the flood came and took them all away. They're not going to know until it's done come and gone. Some people. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and the other left. What's that talking about? People are going to be working. People are going to be with everyday life. And some... And their positions, they're still ready. They're still waiting on the Lord. They may have everyday activity, but they're ready. Others, they just have everyday life, and they're not ready. Hallelujah. We need to be ready. So verse 42 tells us again, Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this. That if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. I'm telling you, when I hear that, that means there's something that's going to happen that we're not expecting. And in this time and age, there's never been an age where people have been so busy. This is the most busy age, I believe, that there's ever been on the planet. People are rushed. People are on the go all the time. All you got to do is you can go back 50 years in the 70s and really get into the 60s and 50s, and there wasn't a single place open on Sunday. Not a single place open. You might get lucky for one or two places, but typically you better have your gas already in your vehicle. You better already have planned out what you need for the next day because nothing's going to be open. This isn't we're going to go eat at this restaurant, that restaurant after service. It ain't going to be nothing like where we had uh, back in those times where, uh, well, I got to run into Walmart. I forgot something. Well, guess what? In those days, you just forgot it, and you're just going to have to wait for it. But we're so busy that every day it's got something going on all the time, and it's going to come like a thief in the night. And if we're too busy, we're not going to notice that he's done come and gone. Hallelujah. It tells us, watch, be ready. What did he tell the disciples when he was about to be betrayed? You need to be praying. You need to be watching. And they couldn't do it. Now, if his closest disciples at the time of his betrayal couldn't do it, there's going to be people on this planet that think that they're his closest disciples. They're not going to be able to do it. We've got to be cautious about how highly we think of ourselves. We just need to know that I need to humble myself and know he's coming. I need to be watchful. Matthew 15, I'm sorry, Matthew 25, 13. Again, that's talking about the parable of the virgins there it says at the end watch therefore for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the son of man is coming it just repeats itself mark 13 32 through 37 but of that day and hour no one knows it's telling the same type of uh a parable there in the same type of uh what's going to happen but guess what mark's accounting for it too by two or three witnesses, my word's going to be established. So this is what we're doing. We're establishing what he's telling us. Uh, that day and hour, no one knows. We're not going to know the hour, but that does not mean he's not coming. And two, in this day and age, for some reason, if people don't think, that, they always think that they got to know everything. We don't have to know everything. We just got to believe him. We don't know, have to know how. We don't have to know what all is going to take place. We don't have to know all the whys and this and that. We just have to trust him. And in this day and time, there's a lack of trust in the body of Christ because we got to know the when, what, where, why, all this other stuff. No, we don't have to know all that stuff. We just got to trust him. And then we can talk to him. And if he wants us to know, he'll let us know. But if he says that's none of our business, that's none of our business. We just got to trust him. And too many times, we don't get the answers we want, so guess what? We just push our aside and we'll walk away. No, just trust Him. No one's going to know the hour. So verse 33 of Mark 13 tells us, Take heed, watch and pray, for you do not know when the time is. It is like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch, therefore... For you do not know when the master of the house is coming, in the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning, that's coming suddenly, he find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. We got to be watching. 
We don't, this is not the time to grow weary. This is not the time to grow tired. This is not the time to go, and this is not talking about our physical, this is talking about our spiritual being. This is us where our spirits need to be in tune and alert and that we're watching. Hallelujah. You know, Pearl Harbor may have turned out a little bit different if we've been watching a little bit more closely, unfortunately. as a travesty. But there's a time frame where something was not right. Someone missed the signal. Hallelujah. If it's time to start history, if some others would have been watching a little bit more closely, there would have been changes of what would have happened. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Luke twelve forty. Therefore you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. I don't know how many scriptures I've got to read, but that should be plenty that we don't know. But notice, every single time, we don't know when He's coming, but it never said He's not coming. Jesus is coming. He's coming, and we need to be ready. Hallelujah. And too many people disregard His second coming. Just like what Dr. Summerall said, and I mentioned it already, people act like the way they act, the way they live their life, they act like He's never coming at all. I mean, if, if I were to say, uh, coming at 7.39 on November the 9th, 2022, Jesus is coming, then we'd have more than dozen people here we couldn't hold the people that would want to be in the church 9-11 happens a natural event happens where people unfortunately fly planes into towers and one gets crashed in a field in Pennsylvania and another one gets flown into uh, the Pentagon and the next week churches are filled up over across America how much more if we knew when Jesus was coming? We didn't know those planes were going to be hijacked and taken down. And guess what? There's going to be a coming time where it's even more important, and on a good note, that Jesus is going to come, and it's going to be at a time that we don't even know, and churches should have been filled. We're not going to have the after effect where all of a sudden this happened, now we need to go fill the churches. Now I feel like I need to be in church. It's amazing all of a sudden the church has got filled over that. When he comes, it's too late. It's too late at that point. We need to go ahead and be ready. Revelation twenty two twelve, you can write that down. And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give everyone according to his work. He's coming quickly. Revelation twenty two twenty. He who testifies to these things says, Surely. I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. How He's coming quickly. We don't know when, as far as the hour of the day, but we can start recognizing the seasons, and we'll talk about that here in just a few moments. But we do know this. He's coming, and He's coming quickly. So we need to watch. You know, if somebody wasn't watching intently and something happened quickly, they would have never known it happened. You know, it's just like things in life. Sometimes, you know, how people have that comment. They say, well, it just happened so quickly. I don't really know what happened. But if you're watching, even though it may happen quickly, you still know what just happened. And Jesus, he's going to come quickly as a thief in the night. He's not a thief, but that's what it's going to be like. All of a sudden, there were things there, and all of a sudden, things were gone. Just like a thief. A thief comes in to do what? Guess what's going to happen? When he comes, there's going to be some... Things that were here, people, and some people are going to be taken away. Hallelujah. He's going to be gone very quickly. And people are not going to notice at that moment until all of a sudden they start realizing, where's so-and-so at? Or whatever it may be. 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 and 3. So you can go ahead and turn there just for a moment. We'll, we'll come back to Matthew 24 so if you want to hold your place. 1 Thessalonians 5. One and three. Hallelujah. You know, I, I, again, I'm, I'm kind of driving at home, but I wanted us to see that first because we've got to get into some other things before we leave tonight. Not going to keep it real, real late, but at the same time, we want to establish He's coming quickly. And He's coming soon. Five, one and three, First Thessalonians. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. Brethren, sistren, 
There's no need for us to be concerned because we already should know this. We already should know that he's coming and he's coming quickly. He's coming like a thief in the night. So verse 3, for when I, that they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. Guess what? We're going to escape. That We're going to go with him. He's coming. We're prepared. So I want you to know, we shouldn't sit here and start having questions about certain things and not worry about the times or the seasons because we know he's coming. See, too many people start questioning things. Not that you, we couldn't question uh, the spirits. You know, we, we need to test the spirits. But at the same time, we've got to come to realize there are certain things that we ought to know. And number one is he's going to come. And number two, he's coming quickly. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, here's what happens to a lot of believers. They start getting discouraged. Well, there's so much more I, I, I want to do. Like what? What's so much more important than going to heaven to live forever with Jesus? Amen. What's so much more important than that? What's so much more important than having a new heaven and a new earth? What's more important than that? Hallelujah. Glory to God. It's amazing that we start having those, those natural thoughts. Some people get upset. They get discouraged. It's amazing. Like, like time's about to end. No, time isn't about to end. It's still just beginning. We have an eternity to live. We act like the, it's just all of a sudden it's over and there's no more existence. No, there's plenty of existence left. Hallelujah. We're just changing location. We're just changing our address. His second coming doesn't mean that we no longer exist. His second coming means I'm driving the bus, get on, we're going somewhere else now. We're going to a different place. We're going to a different location. And I'm telling you, it's going to be a whole lot better than where you're living at at this time. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. But for some reason... People get upset. But really, His second coming should offer us hope that He's not lying. His second coming offers, up, offers us a hope that we cannot have upon ourselves, that we cannot come up with ourselves. Hallelujah. So let's look at Matthew 24, verse 3 through 14, because we, we need to establish He's coming, He's coming quickly, and it should add some hope to us. We should be encouraged by that. So because, you know, hope, biblical hope is in a, a trust and a belief in things that will happen in the future. That's what real biblical hope is. It's more of the future, but we're trusting and believing that will come to pass. Faith is the now. Faith is the now. Hallelujah. Until, start, until people start having that biblical hope of, of the second coming, we can't ever bring it into the faith of he really is come that he's going to come, that, that we truly believe that. we got to first see it in the future so it will happen in the present at some day. Hallelujah. That's kind of a little wordy there. But Matthew 24, going back there to verse 3 for a moment. So Jesus starts off, and now he's sitting uh, on the Mount of Olives, and his disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? So we want to know, what do we look for when it comes to your coming back? I need everybody to take note of the first thing he tells them. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. Before he starts telling them, this is the signs, this is what's going to be happening, the first thing he says, I don't need you to be deceived. That's important. Because that is the first thing he tells them. You do not need to be deceived. We'll catch that again here a little bit later on. For many will come in my name saying, why do we need to take heed that no one deceives us? Because guess what? People are going to come saying. He's giving us a warning right here. You don't need to be deceived because people are going to be talking. And they're going to be saying things that aren't right. You need to know my word. You need to know who I truly am, and you need to know what I'm going to tell you right now. This is the time and seasons. This is what's going to be taking place. Don't trust in somebody else and what they're going to say. I need you to trust in me and what I'm saying and what's going to be in this word. Hallelujah. And if someone's going to preach something different uh, when it comes to his second coming, some, you know, like in the Bible, uh, what about going to the church and all of a sudden they already thought his second coming came? That's what was in the Bible, right? Paul had to straighten the church out about that. They done thought his second coming came. Isn't that amazing? 
There are going to be people that's going to rise up that's going to act like Jesus doesn't come by. And we're all just still left here. Right now, there's doctrines that go around. It's like that. That really, that the devil's not even on the planet, really. That all that we see is really our own selves. That we're living in the tribulation right now. That's what some people would talk about right now. That's what they're preaching. That this is the tribulation. There's different doctrines that go around, def- different teachings, so forth. They go around. He's telling us right now, I don't need you to be deceived. Because people are going to come for saying. They're going to be talking about things that aren't right. And the first thing is, they're going to be saying, I am the Christ. And will deceive many. And you will hear. See, notice, what we're, notice how we can get deceived. It's all in our hearing. We need to make sure that we know what we're hearing. Okay? So, I don't need you to be deceived. Because this is what they're going to do. They're going to come saying, I am the Christ. And will deceive many. And you will hear... Of wars and rumors of wars. Now he gives another warning here. See that you not be troubled. You don't need to be troubled by that. And here's what's happening in the church. All politically. All that's going on. All that happens. All the war in Ukraine. All the other stuff. They've had wars in Africa all this time. Why don't we ever talk about those? They've had genocides of millions of people. We never talk about those. Why? Because they look different. Is that why we don't talk about it in America? There's things that happen all over the world that we don't talk about. But anyway, but we hear what's going on in Russia. We hear some turmoil that may be happening over in with China and maybe even with Japan and some countries there. You know, they, we start hearing these things. And all of a sudden, we start seeing decisions being made by certain powers of governments and certain, uh, all of a sudden, we've got people that have so much money, they got more money and they know what to do with it. they got billions of dollars. We're starting to see decisions starting to be made of a, uh, uh, where it may be a, a worldwide currency and different things like that. There are things out there that's called like Bitcoin and crypto and other different things and other different things that go on throughout the Internet. The way we all get put on a level playing field that any country can use that type of stuff. Now, I'm not trying to get anybody torn up. All it's saying is simply these are things that you're going to hear you just don't need to be troubled about it. And what happens in the church, we hear about these things and we get torn up. And boy, I hope he comes soon. No, it says don't be troubled. Why? Because I am coming soon. Why are you troubled about this? Get your focus off the signs and get your focus on me and my coming. It didn't say watch for the signs. It said watch for me. Another passage talks about... Uh, certain things coming about he said when you see these things you need to look up it didn't say you need to look at all the stuff going on it says you need to look up why look up because you need to be looking for me not looking at all that's going on around you see our focus has been diverted from his second coming and looking for him at actually what all is taking place and that's just something that God has spoke to me about he says we need to refocus on watching for me not watching all around us it's just like, uh, you know, we, we've, we've heard this message preached where, you know, we're seated in the presence of our enemies. God has prepared us a table in the presence of our enemies. We're seated there. Guess what? Everything's at the table. But what happens? We want to get distracted by all that's going on around us. What is the devil trying to do? He's trying to get us to get up from the table and get us distracted to go somewhere else. I need to check on this. I need to do this. The devil's going to distract me. He's got this going in my mind. When all we got to do is just sit at the table and partake of what all God's provided for us. And too many times we get distracted. The signs are there. We notice the signs. We see the signs. But that's not our focus. Our focus is His second coming. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. It's just like when the churches get going, and there's things that people post, and there's advertisements, different things. I'm just going to help you out. Some people advertise stuff like this. Grow your church from 200 to 2,000. Oh, so you got the formula how to do that. And people are going to buy that stuff because they need people. And what, what happens is we get caught up in human activity and, and church procedures, and we forget we get our focus off Jesus. It's the same way with the second coming. We get our focus off Jesus so quickly because we're so concerned about this, that. We've got to get that taken care of. We're so busy. We're in the field. We're working hard. And before we know it, we turn around and someone's gone, and we're still here. Or we're working there at the mill, and we're working hard. And next thing you know, the person besides there is gone, and we're still here working. We're too busy. 
We're too focused on everything else besides Him. And a lot of churches today, I'm not picking at them, but we got to have this activity, we got to have that going on, and that's all good. we got to have more fellowships. we got to do more things together. And I'm going to point that out here a little bit later. But we cannot get so distracted where it becomes just activity. It's still about Jesus. The number of, Why have an activity? Why have a fellowship? Because it's about fellowshipping about Him. Not just fellowshipping about what's going on on sports or on CNN or on Fox. Or on, no, we're fellowshipping together because we're fellowshipping about Him. We're talking about Him. We're talking about His goodness, His glory, His greatness. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So it goes on. And you will hear of wars, of rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Oh, he's giving us a warning. Oh, we're getting closer, but it's not yet. It's just like you, you ladies know there's that first sign that, oh, when you're pregnant, you're, you're about to have the baby. Guess what? The baby don't come just right then. And fortunately, that'd be nice, I'm sure, but there's birth pains. And they may start off a little bit further apart but as time goes they get closer and closer and closer and closer this is a saying the birth pains have started all of a sudden we're starting to notice oh there's a deliverance that's about to happen and that deliverance is God's people when he's coming back it's about to happen but guess what it's not yet for it's not yet for because these other things got to happen too. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Now, guess what? That does not always mean United States versus Canada, Brazil versus Argentina, Mexico versus, you know. No, that's not always just a country. Nations and kingdoms also mean groups of people. Hallelujah. Think about this. I'll use this for an example. It's a silly example, but right now, our Indian nations, did you catch that? Indian nations, they have their own places that they're able to live, right? Is that right? You know, we, we, we didn't do the best of things when it came to America. We, we have the Trail of Tears where we moved the Cherokee Nation from Florida, uh, 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 the Seminole Nation from Florida all the way out to Oklahoma. That's a, it's a long walk. It's a long walk from here to Sparksville. I wouldn't imagine going from Florida to Oklahoma. But they're on reservations, right? That is not called necessarily a country, but it's called the Cherokee Nation. They're on that reservation. That's still their nation. There's others, tribes that are out there. That is their nation. Um, Dr. Jacobs talked about a tribe that he went and he visited. And that he preached to, um, off the top of my head, I, I can't think of it right off the top of my head, but um, anyway, again, different language. The Navajos, there we go. The Navajos. Guess what? They have their own nation in that reservation. So sometimes we just think of borders of countries, but it's more than that. It's groups of people rising up against each other. So I, I kind of want to explain that just for a minute because sometimes we're looking for things that's not even necessarily the right thing. And then it goes on and says, And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places, and these are the beginnings of sorrows. Then, oh, then there's a then. There's more to it. So guess what? We're getting closer and closer with those birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake, and then many will be offended. I want you to catch this. Many will be offended. We've never lived in such a time where everybody just gets offended over everything. Many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up. I found it interesting that it's when offense comes, people start getting offended, then false prophets slip in. Because all of a sudden I'm offended, I'm vulnerable. I'm upset with you and what you said. I'm upset with you and what you said. Now there's an opportunity for someone to slide in and tell me something sweet. Something that maybe I want to hear that maybe not be right. That's where false prophets come in. Because all of a sudden people are offended. And in the, the, the time of offense, people slip in a lot of times and start speaking things that maybe is not best for that person who's offended to hear. I see all the time with teenagers, they get mad over something, and if they're 
person that they're walking with didn't say, you know, that's right, you know, I, I would have done the same. If it was me, that's what I would have done. And all they're doing is stirring that pot up. And guess what's going to happen? People are going to be offended, and false prophets are going to come in, and they're going to stir that pot up. And they say, no, it's like the pipe piper. All the little mice are going to come with me, and I'm going to play my little pipe, and you're going to follow me to destruction. Because I'm playing a sweet sound that you want to follow. I'm telling you things that you want to hear. They will rise up and deceive many. And because the lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. We see that already. Even in our Christian walk, how many Christians now, we complain more than we try to speak in love. Well, this is going on. That's cool. I can't believe those people would act that way. I can't believe they think that way. How do they decide that way? How do they come up with that law? And, and, and they say, no, we become cold. And we don't love anymore. Now, we're going to be known by our love. How are they going to know that we're Christians? By our love. We don't need to grow cold in this hour. We need to do what verse 13 says. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. So guess what? When it's preached in all the nations, all the kingdoms, the end will come. So guess what? We've got a job description. We need to go out and preach this gospel. So what happens is when the second coming, we see all the different signs and we get starting to focus on the signs. We get starting to focus on what's happening and we forget we need to focus on him and his second coming. Oh, he's coming soon. I need to be watchful. I need to get out here and preach his word. I need to get out here and serve him and expand his kingdom. I need to get this done so we can get up out of here. That's the focus that we need to have. Mark 4.24 tells us to take heed what we hear. Second um, Thessalonians oh, um, uh, 2, 1 and 3, it tells us, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. What was the first thing before he starts describing the coming of the Lord? Don't be troubled. Don't be deceived. Don't be this. He gives a warning to us first and foremost. Don't be this way. Now, how, now, now I've done told you kind of the signs of the times. Now, the last thing I want to talk to you about is how's people going to be acting. So, 2 Timothy 3 gives us a pretty good description of how people are going to be acting. So, we know the times. We know, we know what's going to be happening. We know there's going to be pestilence. We know there's, there's going to be famines. We know that there's going to be earthquakes. We know that there's going to be nation rising against nation. There's going to be kingdom against kingdom. There's going to be other things that take place. But how are people in general going to be? And this is what I want you to see. Because if we start looking at how people are going to be, then we're going to start realizing, I need to be really watching because it's a whole lot closer than what I think. 2 Timothy 3, we've read it, we've heard it, we've seen it so many times. But verse 1, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. Perilous, what does that mean? It means savage, difficult, dangerous, painful, fierce, grievous, hard to deal with. The word simply is describing a society that is barren of virtue, but abounding with vices. So I'm letting you know right there, the time's coming. And we can say, yeah, I, I see it. It's perilous times. That's what this is talking about. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And then it gives a description of what these perilous times are going to be. First one listed. First one listed in the perilous times, what it's going to be. For men will be lovers of themselves. Now, you all may not catch this, but I'm telling you right now, there's never been a time on this planet where people have loved themselves more than now than they've ever done before. And that's why they're so squirrely. How many times, if you walk into Walmart, you just stay and pay attention. Got to take a picture of myself. I'm walking down the aisles. Stop. We got to take a picture. I've got to post it. I've got to make these little shimmers and shines on my face when I post my picture on Facebook and all these different filters that they have. I've got to make myself look better than what I really am. I'm going to do Snapchat. Snapchat's just another social media where all I'm going to do is take a picture of myself and put a little title there because guess what? It's all about me. And you know what Facebook has? Facebook has a like button. 
and it has little hearts and it has a comment section so that way when we post pictures of ourselves we can see all these little lights that people have for us and all these hearts and they tell us how wonderful we are because it's all about me and then we have other things like Twitter where it's not necessarily pictures, but oh, I, I got only so many lines I can have there, and I'm going to make a quote, and I want to let people tell me how wonderful my quote is. And now you've got all these people that are out there and that are YouTubers. What do you do? I just get on YouTube and talk, and everybody's going to enjoy what I say. And then we've got these people that are called TikTokers. They get on TikTok, and what do they do? For 15 seconds, they do some raunchy dance. And everybody watches, and guess what? I get money for it because I get more views than anybody else because I look a certain way, and I do a certain thing. Ever seen anybody? They're in Walmart, and they got their teenager, or typically their middle schooler, because middle schoolers always want to act like somebody else besides themselves. And they're there, and that's, you know, they just do something like that. What in the world are you doing? Are you twitching? No, they're trying to record themselves and making some sort of TikTok video in Walmart saying, look at me, look at what I'm doing. And then we have the, the audacity to put on Facebook some statement that I'm going to the Pizza Hut. Please like what I just said. Please heart that. Please make myself feel better. Who cares that you're going to the Pizza Hut? Why do we care? Why? Because it's all about you. It's all about you. For men will be lovers of themselves. See, we totally missed that one. But that is exactly what's happening in this day of time. The age of technology has made Americans and many of the world now, it's getting all across the world, lovers of themselves. I've got to have a certain profile picture. I've got to have a certain... They even have avatars. Avatars is just like some cartoon character of yourself. Nobody picks the avatar that really looks like them. It's always one that's always going to look better. Hallelujah. That portrays themselves better to themselves. It's always going to be that. Because it's all about us. It's all about how we look. Going to give you a few more things on this one. I'm going to read a few more. I'm not going to go through them all, but I want you to see this one more than any of them tonight. Men will be lovers of themselves. What does that mean? They're self-focused. They're egocentric. The world revolves around me. Hallelujah. And what's interesting in the Amplified, I'm going to read it. Oh, this is so good. Verse 2. For people will be lovers of self, narcissistic, narcissistic in other words, self-focused. They're narcissists. It's funny, growing up, even in my 20s, I really never heard that word narcissist. I hear it all the time. Well, they're just a narcissist. They act like a narcissist. Why? Because more and more and more we're getting people that so focused on themselves, it's all about them, and that's the term that we use. That is a term that floats out there. And what in the world does that even mean? It means having an excessive or erotic interest in oneself and one's physical appearance. It's all about me. Have you ever gotten conversations and you were really wanting to talk to somebody and somehow or another it got twisted around and they start talking about themselves? What a jerk. Let me just say it that what a jerk. Someone's going through a tough time, but yeah, you know, when I was going through, it ain't about you. They're trying to talk to you about what they're going through. Why don't you just be this type of person and listen and keep your mouth shut? Listen. Someone's trying to come to you for help, and all you can do is twist all around, and the whole time that they're talking, you're thinking about what you want to say about what you went through because it's all about you. I've left plenty of conversations nicely. Something gets mentioned about my child or something's going on, and next thing you know, they're turning about their children. Guess what? Within two more sentences, I'm gone. That I will leave nicely, but I'm out of that conversation. And it doesn't have to be made about my children, but the thing is, all of a sudden that gets said, and before I know it, it's all about them and their children. Why? You're not interested in me. You don't care about me. You're only interested in about you. That is what the world is like and what it's getting more and more to. Hallelujah. Conversations revolve around me. Pictures revolve around me. Social media posts revolve around me. When someone else is in need, somehow it's always going to get turned about what they need. It's always about someone who believes they're better than anyone else. 
it's been shown that individuals who have MPD, in other words, they're kind of nar a narcissist person, often require constant admiration. I need to be told how good I am, how wonderful I am. They're looking for people to tell them how good they are when it should be how good Jesus is and what he's done for me. But I need the attention. They need to be admired. So they will tell things about their life, true or untrue sometimes, just to make a sad story, whatever it may be, and start turning things around. So people say, well, look at what you come out of. Look at how far you've come along. Look at what you've come from. Just so they can be admired that they're no longer in that position. Could be made up, by the way. They show arrogance. They show entitlement. I'm entitled because I'm this person. What about me? Well, you know, Beth, and she received something. She got some praise. Well, what about me? Well, I, what about, I've been doing this stuff for this many years. See, that's, that's the wrong type of attitude. Not congratulations. I'm happy for it. It's no. What about me? This is the type of age we're living in. And number one, lovers of themselves, gives it all away, and we overlook that one so quickly. So quickly. They lack, uh, lack empathy. Going back to what I said, you're needing some empathy. You're needing someone to talk to, and that's saying, oh, they're talking about themselves. Why? Because they lack empathy. They don't know how to actually encourage anybody else or help someone else do something. Bethany, she'll listen to you. She'll help you. I, I can guarantee you that. If anybody needs to be talked to sometimes, you know, just she, she, she listens a lot. Hallelujah. Self-importance. And there's more to it. Hallelujah. Let me quickly finish up here. Don't want to take too much of your time. Lovers of money. 80% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. Why? Because we love money and what it does for us. Average American consumer debt. Consumer debt. Average in America. $96,000. That's approximately how much it is. Because if it's not our money, we need somebody else's money because what it does for us. Nearly one-fourth of American adults have personal loan debt and an average of about $17,000. That's not a mortgage. That's not a vehicle. That's just saying, hey, I just need some extra cash. Average car loan is about $21,000. And about two out of every three Americans, adults, have at least one auto loan. Average balance on student loan debt was over $39,000. Boy, you got to go to college. Why? To get $39,000 of average debt? To go make $35,000 a year? That's not very good math. I thought I taught you better in that in math class. Average credit card debt is more than the average savings account balance. Isn't that interesting? Why? Because we love money and what it does for us. That's simply... The, the, the U.S. national debt is $31 trillion. That's a, that's a thousand, and in fact, that's $31,000 billion. Let me put it in a different perspective. We're boastful in this time of age. Boastful, what's that mean? We're bragging. Have you ever noticed how many times people brag about their own kids all the time? They become proud. You know, it's funny that Keith Moore preached to us at Church in Rock for two hours and 45 minutes, that's how long the service went. And he talked about God never said he was ever proud. He said, I am well pleased. This is my son, my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. He never said he was proud. Why? Because being proud is a sin. Prideful is being a sin. It's the opposite of being humble. When you humble, you humble yourself. In other words, you lower yourself and you keep someone else raised up. we got too many people that are boastful and then they're too proud. It's all about them. We're blasphemers. You know, even more today, used to people be somewhat respectful even if they didn't believe in God. Now they just go ahead and they'll say the awful stuff. You can walk up and down the hallways of the Derrick County High School and you're going to see, hear all kinds of foul language. It's amazing. Disobedient to parents. I don't think I have to explain that one. And then it continues to go on. Hallelujah. Unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. This is the description of what people are going to be like. 
and this is what people are like now. So if we're talking about Jesus' second coming, He's coming. He's coming soon. He's coming quickly. We don't need to be distracted. We don't need to become too busy. Because we can look out, we can see the signs, but more importantly, we can see how the people are acting in these times. The people are acting just like this. Hallelujah. That doesn't mean that we be discouraged because he told us not to be discouraged. He told us not to be deceived, but he also said don't be discouraged. Hallelujah. We need to be hopeful. We need to be excited. He's coming. And all those preachers, those fired up country preachers that all used to say, are you ready? He's coming. He's coming. That's, if they preach nothing else, that's maybe all that they preached. Guess what? No one's preaching it anymore just about. We need to go out and let people know he's coming. Are you ready? And I know people gave that always that scenario, it seemed like. Well, if you were to go home and die in a car accident tonight, where would you go? Are you ready? Well, if we go home tonight and he comes, where would we, where would we be? We still going to be here or are we going to be with him? He's coming, I'm telling you. I want us all to be ready. I want us all to be ready. So, hallelujah, glory to God. And we're at 7.59, one minute early. So, Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity to preach your word. And Father, we thank you for your word and that it went unhindered and uninterrupted. And that, Father, that it were not returning to you void, that we received your word. And we thank you for your encouragement that, that your son Jesus is coming. We have an expectation he's coming, that, Father God, that we're ready. We're ready. We're watchful. We're praying. We're, we're, we're expecting his return. Hallelujah. And with that expectation, we're going to go ahead and preach this gospel to all the world. So, Father, we thank you for the assignment. We thank you for being in this time and age. That glory to God, we, won't, we will not be discouraged. We will not let all these other things distract us or, or, or hinder us from preaching your gospel. We thank you for all that you do for us, and we thank you that there is a second coming. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Be blessed as you, as you leave tonight.